Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I will be talking with Rohana Samar, Senior Manager of Blue Door Programs. A part is a charitable organization that has been providing emergency housing for the homeless population of York Region for 40 years. Hi, Rohana. Hi, Marge. Thank you for having me on the podcast. You're very welcome. Now, you have not been doing this work for 40 years, but it had been many years. Can you tell us a little about yourself and your work in addressing the needs of the homeless? Yeah, you're correct. I haven't been doing this work for 40 years, uh, but it is now 25 years since I've been working with uh, people without adequate housing. Uh, I started off as a volunteer in 1998 with the Jaffrey Islamic community. Uh, they were one of the original communities that were running the Out of the Cold programs in York Region. So I was known as the clothing girl at that time because I was uh, doing the clothing at the Islamic Center and uh, did that for a few years um, until 2005 when the city of Toronto that was at that time coordinating these programs um, fell through and the communities, the faith-based communities in York Region approached the regional municipality of York to develop it. Uh, and through that um, uh, that kind of action in 2005, uh, I was hired as a consultant and I took on the role of developing the Out of the Colds in York Region. So since then, uh, we set up a charity. It was called Mosaic into Faith Out of the Cold. I was the executive director. We had incredible growth over 20 years. Uh, we went from four communities to uh, over 50, uh, 1,500 volunteers, and it was a really vibrant, wonderful program. And then about a year and a half ago, we decided to merge with Blue Door Support Services uh, in an effort to uh, sustain the Out of the Cold program uh, and also to bring in essential support services like housing supports. Um, and so the merger happened about a year and a half ago. And so, so now Out of the Cold is a program by Blue Door and I am the senior manager. Um, yeah, it's been a long run. I got involved basically because I've always believed as a resident that citizens um, need to participate in local action. Uh, we are at the end of the day citizens, citizens of the world, and we have to make sure that we contribute to the world and get involved locally. And so when I heard about a local community uh, doing uh, the shelter, it was just fascinating to me. And I didn't really know much about homelessness or, uh, you know, how people became homeless. And, and I learned a lot just as a volunteer, you know, meeting really amazing people that were struggling uh, with homelessness and poverty, uh, learning so much about it. Uh, and, uh, and I was passionate and still am passionate about getting community to really get involved in local initiatives um, where any of us uh, could be uh, victims of really. 
Uh, and so that's kind of how I started. And 25 years later, here I am, um, still loving the work that I do and still passionate about it. Okay. Woo. So in your opinion, from your all your experience, what are the causes of homelessness? And can you sort of give a picture of you know the people that come and, and use uh, the services? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of people have that question. You know, why are people homeless? Mm -hmm. And why don't they get a job? And why don't they, you know, why do they have to um, use drugs and alcohol? And, you know, it's just this big question mark that people have, and it's fair. Um, but I think people have to understand that homelessness is a really complex issue. Uh, there is no one reason for somebody who's homeless. Um, and there are so many reasons and so many facets that contribute to someone becoming homeless. Um, you know, we've got the high cost of living, which is now probably worse than ever and affecting so many people. Uh, we've got people that have inadequate income, loss of employment. Uh, and during the pandemic, it's gotten even worse. So in uh, 2021, when there was a, a count done, um, almost a quarter of the people that were experiencing homelessness uh, reported that they weren't able to pay rent. And that was the reason. Then um, that's quite a high number. And then you've got other reasons like domestic violence and family breakdowns, um, mental health ment and mental illness, uh, physical uh, disabilities. And of course, the big one uh, across Canada, the issue of lack of affordable housing. And sometimes you have people with uh, various issues like all of these all in one go, right? So it's it's very complex. There's not one answer. Um, and there, you know, there's different kinds of homeless situations as well. It's not just homelessness. It's, uh, you know, chronic homelessness where people have been homeless for a long period of time. Um, we usually say chronically homeless when someone's been experiencing homelessness for more than a year or eight years, 10 years. Uh, and a lot, you know, more than half of the population that that is experiencing homelessness report that they've been chronically homeless. Um, and then we've got episodic homelessness, which is people that are homeless uh, sporadically, right? Less than a year or for various different reasons. Um, and then, of course, we've got this whole hidden homeless population, which becomes very challenging. And those are people that you don't see that may be couch surfing, that don't have a home of their own, but maybe staying with relatives and friends. And uh, and so it, it's complicated. The, the conditions are different. The causes are different. And that makes it a very, very complex issue. Mm -hmm. well, thank you for explaining that. Do you have a sense? Is it known how many people are homeless here in your region or and are the numbers increasing you know thankfully we have better data i i would say over the past uh five to ten years to help us understand the state of homelessness in New York Region. Uh, unfortunately um years ago 10 years ago or definitely when i started the data was simply not there and so um i'm happy to say that there've been there's been a lot of focus on collecting that data so yeah, we, we do have a better picture. Um, I, I'd say the best localized data is probably from uh, a report that we called iCount. Um, and those iCount reports are really a point in time count in your region um, where the number of people experiencing homelessness are counted, you know, in one day over a 24 hour period. 
Uh, and the ICANT um, is a partnership between the United Way uh, uh, of Toronto and the Regional Municipality of York. It's mandated actually by the federal and provincial government. So that ICANT is done um, uh, in one day. The last one was done in 2021. There was another one done in 2018 and 2016. So we do have that uh, history of the data now. Um, and the ICANT focuses on a variety of uh, people. And so it focuses on people that are sheltered um, in, in different types of emergency housing shelters, transitional shelters, violence against women shelters, and then also people that are unsheltered living outdoors. So we do have a picture from that. Um, and in 2021, the report showed that around 300 and 29 people uh, were identified as experiencing homelessness um, versus 2018, where it was around 389. But mm. having said that, the caveat is that in 2021, we were right in the middle of the pandemic. And so the 329 is probably underreporting. Uh, there was a lot of restrictions right at that time with uh, accessing shelters and and a lot of people uh, were um, scattered throughout uh, the region. And so 329 is probably under reporting in 2018. It was around 389. Um, so we're looking at that 400, maybe even 500 mark. Um, so that that's kind of the data that we have in terms of whether it's increasing. I mean, I, I can give you um, just you know, the, the story of what we see, and I'm sure the food banks will tell you the same or the other agencies is, yeah, we see more people coming through the door. Um, I'm not sure that we've, uh, it's difficult to kind of capture that data right now because we're still in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, but uh, most agencies will tell you that we are seeing more people coming through the door. And I guess what's different is that the profile of the people that are coming through our doors and that are experiencing homelessness has changed. Yeah. And so that's kind of the key point that, that we need to consider right now. And, you know, there's more people that are living on low income, um, that are marginally housed, that uh, found themselves experiencing homelessness for the first time, for example, during mm -hmm. the pandemic. So a lot of new faces that we were seeing. A lot of different um, types of people, right? Uh, and and so that's kind of um, an indication that the problem is getting worse, if not different and more challenging. Um, and then there's uh, interesting because the uh, the reports have also shown that the number of people experiencing chronic homelessness has increased. Mm. So years ago, you know, we were reporting a lot of York Region residents that were. Um, experiencing the, the sporadic homelessness, right? The the episodic homelessness, the hidden homelessness. We knew that there was a lot of those people and the chronically homeless um, population was a, uh, uh, was lower. And now we found that over the past years, the ICANT report is also showing that more people are, are uh, reporting to be chronically homeless over a year or over two or three or several years, right? And that's a significant number. So in 2016, the, the number of chronically homeless people was um, at around 33% uh, mm -hmm. of those experiencing homelessness. And in 2021, it's at 53%. Mm -hmm. So that means people are becoming homeless, newer people, and that they're remaining homeless for a longer period of time. Ooh, that does not seem good. I know the community really does want to uh, step up and help. And uh, the uh, pre-COVID, there you provided lots of opportunity there are lots of volunteers 
now with COVID, and we'll talk more about that after, um, it, there are restrictions. But can you, it, more than just a place to come out of the cold, um, there's a meal. But what else, what does, what does a person experience who comes to one of these out of the cold shelters? Yeah, you know, I'm really proud to say that over the years, out of the cold has become known as not only safe refuge and a warm place for people to go, um, but it's a place where people feel accepted. A lot of our clients say that they feel mm. like family when they come there. You know, uh, social isolation is a, a key factor to why people um, become homeless. And so with Out of the Cold, one of our key focus has always been to be the place where people can have a family, where they can have friends, where they don't feel alone. And so that's um, that's something that we strive very hard to provide. Um, and then, of course, we have a lot of other on-site supports. It's not just a, a bed and a meal, but we also provide the clothing banks. Uh, we also provide transportation assistance um, so people can get around during the day wherever they need to. And then we have uh, medical care, which is really, really important uh, for people experiencing homelessness. So that, that's been a program that has been very successful for us. And it's um, really in partnership with community members, uh, medical professionals, uh, medical doctors, nurses that come in to really just provide that care. So a lot of on-site support services. And now with the merger with Blue Door, one of the focuses was to strengthen the program and to bring in more sustainable uh, supports to people, um, which will help them hopefully move forward. And so now we have more housing and wraparound supports on-site. Uh, so we have housing workers, housing navigators, and they're focusing on really helping people um, identify what their needs are because again there's so many facets right there it could be income it could be mental health issues it could be substance abuse it could be um, you know other forms of abuse that people have experienced uh, so um, our housing workers and navigators help to navigate people through the system and try to identify what supports they need and hopefully help them to get into more long-term sustainable housing. So lots of supports that we offer at the seasonal programs. Um, it's also a really important pro critical program actually uh, for York Region right now because we are the only uh, kind of one of the few services, if not the only, that have the open beds. So other service providers are almost full to capacity. And so out of the cold is really the open beds mm -hmm. that people can come to if they can't access other services. We have York Regional Police and emergency services, the hospitals, everyone that um, utilizes our, our beds uh, when there's no other shelters available. So um, very critical, mm -hmm. not just beds and meals. Right. And but you do only operate from November to March. Is that correct? So in the summer months, people are, you know, hopefully it's okay and they're, they stay outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tradi traditionally, we operated from, you know, end of November to the end of March. Uh, we still do that. But in the during the pandemic, the regional municipality of York wanted to extend mm -hmm. shelter. Um, and so they had asked us to extend shelter beyond March. And so we've been operating until June and July mm -hmm. uh, in during the last few years. Um, but yeah, in the summertime, uh, people tend to, sometimes they connect with family in the summertime, right? They travel outside of the province just to connect with friends and family. They can travel 
more they can they do sleep outside and um you know survive that way but yes the seasonals are only there to keep people safe during the winter times right okay COVID has disrupted challenged uh, what you've been able to provide the services but um can you describe that and our things are getting better correct Things are getting better. Um, when we started with the pandemic, uh, well, coming on three years now, mm-hmm. um, it was disruptive as it was to everybody. Um, we had to shut down our uh, 13 locations that were operating um, that winter and uh, you know, just shut the doors down to protect uh, not just the clients, but also our 1,500 volunteers who um and so it, it 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 was disruptive, and but we managed to thankfully to these amazing faith communities that we have in New York Region, uh, and one community, the Mennonite Church in Markham, uh, said that we could use their facility uh, on an emergency basis, and so we were able to open up actually within a day uh, there and open the doors again. Um, and since then, we've been operating <clears throat> very scaled down. Yep. So. The pandemic has uh, limited our capacity. We used to serve up to 50 people. Now it's 26. Uh, and um, also really restricted how we operate, right? We, we cannot have all those volunteers that we used to have. So it's limited now. This year, it's getting better. The restrictions are lifting a little bit. And people feel safer now to come out and volunteer. So I'm happy to say that we have a wonderful response from the community that have come out to help us uh, at the locations. We have four locations this winter. Um, And so the community has been extremely responsive. Um, It really does help because during the pandemic, just um, staffing shortages, right? Which Mm -hmm. I think everyone is reporting. Uh, And we have felt it. We felt the staffing shortages. We felt the the tightening of uh, the belts that we've had to do because uh, there's just the costs associated with operations under a pandemic are enormous. Um, And so the resources are tight now as well. And so volunteers coming in and helping us with operations is really, really amazing. And so, um, so I'm very, very thankful for that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been challenging. Things change on a daily basis. That's the other challenge that we face, right? And we're working in unpredictable times right now. And the pandemic keeps changing and unrolling in different ways. And so the ability to plan ahead, to even strategize is simply not there. We're just, you know, keeping our heads above water, really just trying to keep up with the demand uh, and, you know, kind of uh, change as the pandemic changes. So that brings a whole host of different problems. Um, just keeping those doors open and keeping services uh, intact as much as possible um, so that the people experiencing homelessness don't suffer as much. Um, that's been a real challenge. But staff fatigue, you know, uh, I think that the hospital workers, frontline workers, uh, teachers, all of them, but shelter workers, Right. Mm-hmm. We don't often hear about shelter workers. Well, shelter workers are right out there and, and getting really tired. And uh, our staff are d- often doing the work of three or four people now. Um, and they're working hard and they're real. You know, I have to say my staff are just uh, angels and champions for being out there on the front line, uh, risking their lives and their families and being on the front lines. 
and continuing to work really hard. So just that staff fatigue mm -hmm. and managing risk associated with the pandemic, uh, not just for the clients and our staff, but for the community. Uh, that's a massive challenge as well. So it, it has been difficult, uh, but things are getting better. Mm -hmm. uh, we're thankful that we've been able to call on the community and the community has responded. Uh, we have to find different ways of thinking, of operating, of thinking outside the box, which uh, I think we've been able to do because we've been able to manage running these programs through this pandemic. So uh, lots of challenges, but lots of opportunities have also mm -hmm. come up right. with the pandemic. So are there currently opportunities for people to be involved to help out? Yes, for sure. I mean, you know, the community, we, we call on the community just to help, whether it's with funding, um, you know, to try and fund a lot of the program pieces like the clothing bank and, uh, you know, things like that. And so funding is always welcome. Um, but uh, we also ask for in-kind donations of socks and underwear, long johns, which are really needed, and those have to be new. Um, but uh, there's other items like uh, Tim Hortons gift cards that we give to people or other sorts of gift cards to help us with our grocery shopping, uh, things like that. So there are in-kind donations. And then there are volunteer opportunities. We've got a good roster so far, but we can all always accommodate more volunteers. Um, they need, they do need to go through uh, kind of a series of training with us. Um, but if people are interested, yeah, for sure, we always welcome volunteers. Okay, very good. So um, homelessness is not going away. And uh, we haven't found the magic bullet to make it disappear. But we do have a coldest night of the year event fundraiser this year happening February 25th. It's CNOY, as we call it, is a national organization that provides really good support for lots of organizations across Canada that do help the hungry and homeless and um, those who want to do um, fundraising. And we've certainly taken advantage of that. And I say we because I have been involved with you in doing these uh, CNOY, this fundraising. I believe it's for five years. We have been one of the more successful locations. We've had more walkers than any other group across the uh, Canada last year, I was happy to say. And we've raised a six, significant funds. So we're starting again this year. The official launch is December 1st, again, with the walk being on the uh, 20, uh, February 25th. But uh, um, can you tell us, can you tell us about the walk? Well, what's it really like? What are people going to experience? Yeah, I think that's incredible. And thank you, Marge. Uh, you have been a, an incredible asset to CNOI. Um, and yeah, we're going, this is going to be our fifth year. Um, and we, yeah, when we joined, we didn't really think we could raise that much. And in our first year, we raised, uh, what, 80, 40,000, no, I think it was 80,000 in our first mm -hmm. year. So we've done really well. Uh, you know, there's more than 100 charities across Canada. Uh, and so, yeah, so this year, February 25th, um, will be our fifth year of CNOY. Um, we are going to be having a in-person event, so we're excited about that. Mm -hmm. So we haven't been able to do that in the last few years, um, and it's been virtual. But uh, we're excited that it'll be in-person this year, and we'll have a virtual element to it. So uh, people can sign up uh, for a team. They can sign up to a team that's already been signed up. 
they can just walk, uh, I believe, anytime in February if they're doing it virtually, or they can come out on the day of February 25th, and we're going to be hosting the event at the Toronto Montessori School in Richmond Hill um, on the 25th. Uh, people can come out and we do a 2K walk and a 5K walk, and it's a lot of fun. And then we'll have some uh, entertainment and some food and uh, people can meet each other, which is an inc incredible thing when we've had uh, our, our events uh, pre-COVID. We had so many people. It was just so fascinating to see so many residents coming out from Richmond Hill and and from other municipalities and just getting to know each other and having fun and in the process, raising an incredible amount of money. So, um, so I'm excited about that. I hope that we uh, get a good representation from uh, uh, Richmond Hill, York Region. Anyone is welcome to participate. Uh, you can form your own team. You can have your own group wherever it's, if it's a faith community or a service club or uh, even a company, uh, create a team and have your own walk anywhere you want. Um, and sign up and uh, raise funds that will go towards um, Blue Doors uh, Out of the Cold program and uh, other services as well, which are so critical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, I will encourage everyone to be participate however they can. You can just be a family with three or four people if that's what you'd like to do. Uh, we have some great toques that we're having this year. We like our toques. Uh, one of those yeah. fun things that we actually do. So it's, it will be a lot of fun and it's a great way for the community to give back. Uh, every little bit helps. It's You don't have to raise a lot of money to be seen as successful and be helping us out. So uh, I will put in the podcast notes, the link to, to uh, sign up, to, to have a team, to donate. And we also are looking for, for volunteers uh, for, in various capacities as well. So uh, looking forward to, for that their students uh they there's opportunities for students to get their community service hours so this year more than ever we will really need our community to step up uh i believe it's challenging the York, the region um has having restrictions for getting all the funding that they they can't give you all the money that you need no surprise so there really is a need for uh the community to step up and help out those who really find themselves vulnerable is there anything else that you like to add, Rohana? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd first like to say that I, I think the region municipality of York has been fantastic with us over 25 years, right? Mm -hmm. It's been incredible. We wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for York region. Um, but the reality is that things are challenging for everyone, including our governments. Um, and they are, are facing so many challenges. And so it's, uh, you know, I, people need to understand that it, it's not that our governments aren't supporting us. I think a lot of focus is going into uh, homelessness um, prevention and supports by all uh, levels of government. But I've always said governments can't do everything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we as a community have to um, take ownership of what's happening in our own communities and participate. And so, yeah, coldest night of the year is a great way to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people say, oh, but it's cold. And isn't it true, Marge, that the last five years, every time it hits the, the date of February, whatever, 24th, 25th, mm -hmm. we always have great weather. We do, yes. It's never been a bad day to go for a walk. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, so it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it'll be sunny and, and beautiful again on the 25th. Right. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So thank you for, that's a, a great way to end uh, this, this talk. 
I do like to end the podcast, though, with your response to the question, name one thing you really like about this community. Wow. Um, The one thing I really like about this community is that people care. Hmm. People do care. And I, I know that because every time I put out a call for help, whether it's money or whether it's volunteers, we get an incredible response. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I do love that. I think um, people in, in York Region or in Richmond Hill, they respond um, when there's a call to action because they care. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that doesn't happen in, in other pl- places. People are progressive, they're responsive. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, I'm, and I'm proud of that. Okay, like to hear that. I will add some podcast notes. We've got, you've got lots of things to check up on for Blue Door, for the Out of the Cold program. That's part of the Blue Door and for our coldest night of the year uh, walk. So hope to see lots of people out there really looking forward to it. So again, thank you, Rohana. And uh, we um, thank you for, the time, for taking the time to be part of this podcast. Thanks, March. Thank you for listening. I would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast. Please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community. Consider emailing me at marj, M-A-R-J, at marjandre.com. I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well, stay connected.